Hey there, welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. I have a special guest tonight. Stop with the special My husband guests. is joining me. You're becoming a regular guest. My regular right. sidekick. So everyone, your video this week was like the biggest hit ever. Everyone loved your video. If you haven't watched it on YouTube yet, this I, week's I video on Cones <laughs> is very good. So tell them what our video is about. Uh, how to ride an accurate circle. Um, and what happened was I saw a couple of the videos that people had sent in. One was just out in a field yeah. between the trees. And the other one was just out on the road. And I was like, okay, you've got to be able to make a make a real circle. And how do you do that? You need visual indicators. And so I walked off the circle, dropped off the cones, and uh, and then I thought later I should have put two cones. And then you had that. Uh, anyway, but, uh, and so then it was a perfect circle. And you could ride a perfect circle. And then you've got focus points. So yeah. you go, I'm going here, I'm going here. Yeah. And then people come. And then I, I taught Kane. And so people could see the different things we did to, to make the horse more supple. And yes. apparently it was liked. Yes, everyone liked it. Look, Mindy's here. And here, Carolyn says, the cone video is great. My trainer and I are going to work on that exercise in the video. So, yes. And that was only part one. So part two of the cone lesson. Part two? Yeah, we split it into two okay. because... Poor Kane and Jock, you like didn't give them a walk break. It was like straight through for 15 minutes. Jock, the horse Jock, he was uh, like, can't does. You happen. got a little bit carried away. I did. Well, I get excited sometimes. <laughs> and then and you, I was watching the horse change and stuff. And then I just. Oh, look, Mindy says she loves it when you put cones down. <laughs> but cones, they do. They give you like a focal point and when your horse feels like you're in charge like when you're like okay we're going to that point we're going to the cone and when you make it happen psychologically for your horse it really helps them because it gives them confidence that you're in charge that you have a plan that you know where you're going and it honestly it gives both you and the horse a lot of confidence plus it works on getting your horse on the aids supple through round like all of those things so it's a very simple thing but very very effective yeah the things that we do to get from point a to point b where you take the rain and you move your weight and you all of those things right you're more aware of it if you look at it and go okay and then your body it's just like walking through the mall you see the people and you just you navigate that yeah and so you do that and you make this change, you change that, and the horse feels that, you get to where you want to go, and your horse goes, oh, you're the leader. I can let you lead because you're acting like the leader. And then your horse has calmed down because you're doing your job, which is to lead. Yes. So you look, Barbara said she tried the cone exercise today, and she thinks she needs your help. 
<laughs> Dana did the cone exercise today. Katie ordered some cones today. There's going to be a run on cones. cones. So. <laughs> uh, those things were at Big Five. And yeah, they were, Big I, Five or Amazon, you can yeah, get the they're, cones. they're not real spendy. But you know what? You could just grab four dish towels, too. Yeah, or sometimes you'll Herman will just put his gloves down. Right, because like, I go, I just carry my gloves in my pocket. So yeah. then I have two cones. I just take the gloves and put them there. You can use <laughs> anything. Um, anything that your horse can step on and not spook. That would be the caveat there. <laughs> Don't use crinkly paper because... Oh, good. Ellie's doing the cone exercise. Everyone's doing the cone exercise. Part two is coming in two weeks. We're going to do in part two, he shows you how to do your canner transitions with the cone. So that video is coming. Oh, where soon. you spiral in and yeah. out and get the into yeah. yeah. And we're definitely going to do more videos featuring Herman. Kane wants you to do a flying change video with her. We're going to teach her how to do the flying changes. So it'll All be right. fun. Okay, first question tonight is from one of our Patreon members. This is an interesting question. I'm going to ask you what your um, your thing is. So this is from Deb Porter. She says, recently I listened to a podcast with Mike Osinski. And he was actually just promoted. Mike Osinski is a judge. He was at the CDS convention. He was just promoted to a five-star judge, which is like the highest ranking of judging that you can get. Yeah. It's like equivalent to an Olympic judge, and he's a really good guy. I like him. He's a super good judge. So anyways, he talked about two schools of thought among judges. In the first, the rider comes in with a 10 and gets docked as the test progresses. The other, the rider comes in at a 5 and goes up or down as the test progresses. Which is more fair? Which is more prevalent? Thoughts? This is... I don't know the answer. So I had to ask Nicole. Nicole is the girl that works for me and she is a licensed judge. So I asked her her response. But what do you think? Um, I don't like the 10 and go down because it's just negative from from top to bottom. Right. And so I have my idea of what is good. OK, a good is eight yeah, in judges so that, term. So there's my idea. It's, that's an eight. So I'm probably more towards everything's a five and you just can go up or down from there because I'd like to be able to go up. But if everything's a 10 and then my brain is like, okay, demerit, demerit, demerit. Okay, now I'm at a seven. I just, yeah. I don't like the way I feel judging that way because I've done the judges. I did the L program and I did an R program, small R and, uh, and I don't like how I feel just knocking them down the whole time. Yeah, that's what that's interesting, because that's what Nicole said. Nicole says, I personally tend to go five and then go up from there because most people I see aren't a 10 and it would be constantly depressing to keep going down, whereas going up keeps me thinking about if I could give them a little bit of a higher score. I also relate my comments back to that of a seven needs more to be an eight today. I don't think it's necessarily about being fair, doing it one way or the other, as long as the judge is consistent for the test or show. I don't think it matters. Right. Fair. So. I mean, you're still going to end up at a seven, right? You still end up at the seven, but it, how you got to the seven. Yeah. And I don't want to be so down. Yeah. 
I don't judge, by the way. Yeah. But Nicole, for those of you guys in strides, you've probably met Nicole. She's a licensed judge and she helps me with a lot of like the behind scenes stuff, a lot of the computer work. She's really great and has a great eye. So that was her response. Okay. The other topic that I wanted to talk about tonight, uh, because Yo Hinneman was up here teaching me for the last few days, which is really so nice to have him come and to get lessons because we're never done learning. But I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the mindset that you have to have when you're taking a lesson from someone because it's different from when you're just riding on your own. Like when you're just riding alone, you're just really focusing on what you're feeling or if you have a mirror, maybe a little bit what you're seeing, but mostly you're focusing on what you're feeling or like where you're going, what speed you're going. But when you're in a lesson, it's a little bit of a different mindset because you have to be listening to someone, what someone is telling you and then processing that information and then executing what they're telling you to do. And so it's a little bit of like a different brain sequence. What are your thoughts on that? I think you're a better student than I. When I take my lessons, I think, oh God, I can be stupid now. And I don't have to think. I do what I'm told. I'm doing what I told and I get the feeling. And that's like when, when I do you feel that? I go, okay, I felt that. And then I develop more feel and I don't have to think. Right. But you have to consciously in your brain, listen to what they're telling you and then like actually do it. And sometimes you have to ignore a little bit what you feel and just and trust do. them. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Hear the order, repeat the order, execute the order. So you're good. You're like your military life kicks in. It does. <laughs> they start giving me orders and I'm done. I don't have to think anymore. I hear the order. I repeat the order. I execute the order. Except for when I teach you. <laughs> Listen, make the haunches go in is so much more useful than don't let her do that. Just saying. Just saying. Oh my gosh. Okay. But yeah. I don't know if you guys didn't catch, there was a thing the last couple of days with us and her helping me. I've been was... trying to help him with his horse, but the first day his attitude was lacking. No, there was You were not in a good receptive mindset for my teaching. Don't let her do that. It's not as useful as you may think. <laughs> but anyways, okay. So like when you're in a lesson, it is really important. Like for example, when Yo this week, he was teaching me on Kensington. And I have a habit with Kensington because he's like strong on the right rein. And so I hold his head to the right all the time and I never flex him to the left. And so Yo's telling me like, you need to bend him to the left. You need to bend him to the left. And in my brain, I'm thinking, yes, but he's still heavy on the right rein. So if I bend him to the left, then he's just going to get even stronger in the right rein. So what I had to do to my brain is be like, okay, listen to the teacher, bend your horse to the left. But then at the same time as you're bending your horse to the left, supple that right side. Because what's the best is if you can listen to what someone's telling you, but also you have to be feeling like what your horse is doing and reacting to your horse in the moment, because there's no way that your trainer can tell you everything. That's so, true. I mean, they can't tell you every, you, you got to bring something to the table. I mean, we're not doing posting trot lessons. I mean, you've right. got, you're working on pirouettes. So yeah, you have to bring something to the table for yeah. sure. You got to feel that. Yeah. But I feel that it's definitely like a different mindset when you are 
in a lesson versus riding alone. I think it's really important to do both things because at the end of the day, when you go to a show, you don't have that like constant input. And so you have to be able to feel it and recreate it on your own. But that said, having a lesson, like when yo comes, it's, it's small things, but sometimes what someone sees and what you feel are very different. And like when I was helping you with your horse today, like you're not feeling the fact that she's swinging her haunches to right. the right all the time. She's escaping that and she's pushing you off to the left. So you need someone from the outside. You need like marriage counseling <laughs> to be like, okay, like you have to get your horse off your right leg. You have to sit to the right. Yeah. And so, but then once, like after you have a lesson, what's really important is that you have to absorb that and then put it into practice. Because if you just take a lesson and then you forget about everything your trainer tells you and you go back to doing the same thing, then the lesson wasn't useful. So it's really important to like take notes, visualize, get video like really do your homework and absorb what your trainer tells you. And also as a trainer, it's a lot more rewarding when you work with students, like my students that go home and think about it and, and have questions and really try and absorb the information. It's so much more rewarding for us as trainers as and well. And you're going to learn faster if you do. The more you're engaged, the faster you learn. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's huge. It's great. It's a gift to have a lesson and um, it's really important that you sometimes I think you have to a little bit like like you said, stop thinking and just trust the process. Like um, Donna said here, trust the process, trust your trainer in that moment. And then a lot of times what I do is like like with Yo, for example, he's great and he helps me so much with my horses. And when I'm in the lessons, I really trust him and try to do exactly what he says. And then sometimes I go back after my lessons and I try and break things down and and really focus on the basics. And, and maybe it's going to take like some time to implement everything he says. But ultimately, I know that that's where I need to go. And part of with training and like Yo was saying today, we were working with um, Harvey or we were working with Kensington on the canter half pass zigzag. So he was having me really work on like the canter half pass, changing the bend and then doing a flying change. And so after the flying change, Kensington was like a little wiggly, like wobbly. And he was saying that that's because of strength, like he needs to get stronger and more confirmed. And that's just going to take time. And that's training. Like it just, right. it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight that your horse is just like magically going to start doing pirouettes. It takes like consistency and repetition and just sticking to it. And that's sometimes people get really discouraged about that in riding, but I think you get to the point that you just enjoy the day-to-day. -day. So, yes, here, someone says, I think you're using both sides of your brain in a lesson. Right side is spatial and the left side is analytical. Spatial, spatial, spatial yeah. and the left side is analytical. Okay, I believe you. Yeah. I have no idea what my brain does. Yeah, but it, it's definitely like trippy. And I, I was in my lessons too, like really trying to be mindful, to be very present in the moment, both to be like listening to what Yo was telling me and also to be feeling what my horse was doing. And then 
I was really trying also to reward my horses, like in the lesson, because when you put a lot of pressure and you don't ever reward your horse, then your horse starts getting tense and be like, okay, what are we doing? Yeah, I know. I always make fun of the hippies, but you got to get all hippy dippy. Sometimes you just got to get in the zone and be in that place. And uh, if you're groovy, then everything will be everything. And uh, I make fun of the hippies, but it's really such an important part of horseback riding that you keep that relaxation. You absorb what they say. It becomes part of you. You feed that into your horse and off you go. Okay, there were a few questions earlier that I was trying to find. Someone was asking, oh, here, someone on YouTube asked, any exercises to help your horse stretch forward and down? I spiral my circles in and out. Suppleness, yeah, so spiraling in and out. Um, also, I think when you want your horse to stretch down, it's important that you have to kind of like get connection and then you have to work the stretch down like you can't just throw the reins away and think that your horse is going to stretch down you have to get contact your horse has to be round you have to bend them a little then your hands go a little forward if they take their neck down great if they don't you've got to like get them round and then hands forward and see if they'll go down like it's a process it's not just like let the reins out and your horse stretches. I mean, eventually that's what you want, but it takes some time to get there. Yeah, because the balance is so important. You know, you yeah. go to give the reins and the horse tips forward and then it's a mess. Yeah. So that's why that's tricky. And groundwork. I'm a big fan of groundwork. For those of you guys in my um, groundwork masterclass, we did a pole release challenge, which is basically like just getting your horse to put their head down. And we had so many entries. It was so funny. The winner, she like sung a song. I heard you. And yeah, it was like she sung a song to the winter wonderland about like getting her horse to put his head down and it's too cold to ride, but she's going to get her horse to put his head down. So it was very cute. I, I really enjoyed Brief that. Brief question is uh, super important. The question, well, everybody read it, right? Uh, everyone on Facebook, read it again. Bree has a question. So for less experienced riders than you, how do you recommend splitting time in lessons versus rides on your own? As many lessons as possible or a few rides on your own? So if you're really starting out, just take the lessons. Like if you're a beginner, beginner or if you have a new horse. Just, just take lessons. the lessons, yeah, right? You because need you, that. You need eyes on the ground to watch what you do because yeah. the horse is going to be way better at training you than you are it. And then you'll scare it and then you'll scare yourself and then that'll be terrible. So if you're green, have the lessons. Um, when I was green and I was new, I had five lessons a week. Those And those were the five days that I rode like in a yeah. lesson. And that was um, for like six months. Yeah. And then I would ride one day a week and, and and then it just sort of evolved. But you really need to be able to walk, trot and canter and be safe. Yeah. And then you could start to ride by yourself. Yeah. Do not recommend riding on your own until you have some basic understanding. Yeah. I mean, that's the ideal. But I also know that everyone learns differently. And there are some of you guys that don't have, I mean, that's a luxury to have a lesson oh, yeah, that's true. every day is a luxury that a lot of people don't have. Like my mom, Joellen, she lives in Colorado. She rides alone a lot. 
And like her mom said, as long as you have an appropriate horse and you're safe, like, yeah, if you can get five lessons a week, that's the ideal. But if you can't, you can learn a lot from like the videos that I make, the courses that we do, Q&A sessions like this. I mean, but or, safety is a concern. Yeah, safety is safety is a concern. But I also believe that it's really important that you develop the feel and the responsibility for it. Like all of my students, once they're at that level where I feel like, okay, they're safe on their horse, right? Then you they can... know enough what to do. Then you have to start riding some on your own because you cannot rely on your trainer all the time to tell you what to do. And especially if you're showing, if you're going to be showing, you have to be able to ride on your own because when you go down the center line, you're not going to have your coach there to tell you all the time what to do. And um, so developing your feel is really, really important as well. And so, yeah, there is a balance, but you have to get to where you can ride alone. Yeah. So, yeah, like Hannah says, I don't have a trainer and I've learned so much from your videos and being in the strides program. It's been wonderful. And like Hannah, I know. I, I because, guess she can ride. Yeah, I've seen Hannah's videos and she ha she's a good rider. She has a very appropriate horse. Right. You know, she's that's, not going to like. Get... So she's not green. Right. Right. That's the thing. I mean, if you know nothing, if you're really green, then you it's just not good to be on your own. But if you've got the basics, you're all right. Yeah. Because riding on your own creates questions in your mind. Hey, I did this. Yeah. Well, how did that go? And then you got to go find some information and yeah. that's learning. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think like, like you said, in a lesson, sometimes you don't have to think and that's not always a good thing because you need to get to the point that you can be proactive about, um, you know, having a plan and addressing things that you can't like when you're in a lesson, there's no way that it, either one of us could tell you every single thing you need to do. And the other problem with relying too much on your trainer is by the time your horse does it we see it the we tell you yeah. and then you react like that's a big delay and so when you can feel it you can react in a millisecond versus if you're waiting like if you're cantering along right and your horse breaks to the trot by the time that happens, we see it happen. Sometimes we can see it before it happens because like. Because you can see the horse yeah. starting to go backwards right. in the canter. But still, but there's then, that time, right? You see it. You have to think it. You have to say it. You have to hear it. You have to internalize it. You have to make correction. Right. And the correction should have been done, you know, a second and a half ago. And you've missed the moment. So that, that, yeah, that does happen more. It, you, your brain starts to think faster when you're not being told. That's for sure. And then right out of Pajaski's book, The Thinking Rider. Yeah. And that's the point of teaching people is that they can think and then do this on their own. And they're not dependent on me. You know, that's, you know, you got to spread your wings and fly out of the nest. Yes. Okay. Here's a good question. I have trouble getting my young horse to canter. I use the snowman exercise. He's pretty good in one direction, trot right to canter left, but won't pick up the canter from the, she won't pick up the canter to the right. Any suggestions? Did so we'll pick up the canter from a leftly trot circle? From a left trot to the right. She's doing the snowman. Okay. So she can get the left lead canter. She can't get the right lead canter. Which I would say that that's pretty, like most horses prefer the left lead canter yeah. 
over the right lead canter. So my guess is probably that you're not getting your horse bending to the right. So in the snowman, uh, I think Joellen's here. If she's here, you can put the link, check out my YouTube channel. I have a video on the snowman, but basically in the snowman, you're doing a 10 meter circle left, and then you're going into the right 20 meter circle, and you're gonna pick up the right lead canter. So you probably need to really make sure to get your horse bending to the right before you ask for the canter. Otherwise your horse is going to take the left lead. So maybe like, don't use the snowman. It might be a better right. exercise to use a leg, leg yield. yield. Leg yield left into a circle. So yeah. that's, you, that's exactly what I was thinking is you've got to get the horse's barrel. What did you do with Pokey's legs? <laughs> Pokey, show them. Pokey is flying. <laughs> flying, flying Pokey. <laughs> we have flying Pokey. But yeah, your you've horse. Got, <laughs> when you do the, the circle, you got the circle to the left, you make your circle left. You got to make sure that this happens before you make. Show them like this. Pokey has to bend right for right lead canter. And so if that isn't happening, you're going to go leg yield to the left get them off your right leg let's start over here get them off your left le right leg get them off your right leg and then turn into your right lead canner but you've got to get the barrel over yeah yeah so and it's you know it's normal that especially with young horses that they prefer like one lead over the other and it's just a suppleness thing and a balance thing and sometimes they'll kind of like swap off leads okay um next question is from elise could you talk about how to build work ethic in a young horse not as in a lazy but rather in the sense of building the duration of mental engagement and try in a young horse if that makes sense make the work fun yeah i think how do you make the work fun I let them go. You got to go forward. You do leg yields, right? You make a Canada part. You let them kick their heels up a little bit and it's and reward them a lot. And yeah. Reward punish. them a lot. I think, I think that that's definitely a, a good thing is that with a young horse that you like, it's gotta be positive, right? You give them some, but you have to give them something to do. It Absolutely. can't be like recess. Right. And so it's gotta be like, do this. Good boy. Do this. Good boy. If they do it right move on to something else so that you're not just drilling them. Right. Because um, when they do things, they feel good. They're like, we, I can do this. Right. They, because they learn about their body and then they're where they're putting their feet. So it's really about keeping it positive for them. With yeah. The rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, but I definitely think that work ethic and like attention and focus is something that, does develop over time in general with young horses like four or five year olds they're a little bit like like toddlers you know like they're like oh my gosh what's this what's that what's going on like what's the next bright shiny object yeah and so horses are kind of like like people as well you know as we mature we get more sedentary and more able to focus and so part of that is just like the natural life cycle i guess right. of a horse but you do, it's like your kids, you have to start sending them to school when they're young. And same thing with horses. Like they have to start getting ridden and understand that this is their job and they have to focus and they have to go on the aids at a young age. If you wait until they're nine and then be like, 
Yeah, that's, yeah, that, they don't, they, yeah, that doesn't work. They're not going to want to work. They haven't had to work. Yeah. But I mean, in general, the younger horses, I do more groundwork with them and I ride them for less time. So like I have a four-year-old in training right now. I would say on average, I do about 10, 15 minutes of groundwork lunging. And then I ride for about 20, 25 minutes. So it's a shorter session, but I do expect her to like focus and be on the aids with my FEI horses, like Harvey, he's a Grand Prix horse. I probably am on him for like closer to an hour because I do a lot of walking. Plus I have a lot more to do. Like with a young horse, all you can do is basically walk, track, canter. With an FEI horse, now you can do like pirouettes and half passes and, and passage and all, all kinds these tricks of, in there. yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. Plus, you know, Harvey, when I got him as a five-year-old, he was much more like distractible and he would get more tense and anxious. Uh, now that he's 11, he's, he's still a little bit of <laughs> a spicy thing. He spun around with me a few times yesterday. Um, but he's also like, he has more of a work ethic, but, and I also think that some horses have more of a natural work ethic than others. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, just like personality, people. just like yeah. people. The thing in my mind about work ethic is like, I want to create a horse that wants to try. Right. Yeah. So whenever a horse tries, I try to reward that. Yeah. Because I never want a horse to say no. I don't want to ask a horse a question and then the answer is no. I want the horse to go, okay, I don't know. And so they sort of stumble through a leg yield. They lose their balance or a little bit, but that they try that. That's in my, my, in my world, that, that work ethic is that, that the horse is trying. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to create. So every time the horse makes an attempt, that's what I reward. I reward that reaction. And that's the work ethic I'm looking for is the horse is like, I'm not sure, but you asked me, so I do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important is to know the difference. And that's something that comes with experience, but the difference between when your horse is trying for you versus when they're just like blowing you off. And sometimes the try isn't exactly what you want, but it's a but step it's a in try. the right direction. It's a try. Yeah. And you definitely have to reward that. The other thing that, especially with young horses and developing them is teaching them that when they're with you, that's where the like good places, that's a happy place. So what I mean by that is if I'm like trotting along, I'm riding my horse along and all of a sudden they get externalized, like they get frozen and focused on something else and check out from me that's when I put the pressure on and I like bend them and I put them in shoulder in. And then the second their brain comes back to focusing on me and you can tell that a lot by their ears, like when their inside ear comes back and looks at you, that's when you reward your horse. So what you want to teach your horse is that whenever you're on their back, they should be thinking about you. That doesn't mean that they can't look off or that they can't be aware of their surroundings but they need to always check back in with you because you're the leader. And if you teach them that the release is with you, that the pressure comes on when they're like distracted and looking off, that's when you're like, Hey, hello, I'm up here. Pay attention. When they get with you, then you say, Oh, good boy. Life is good now. And that's important. So, okay. I think, are we going to the gym? Are you motivated? No, the sun is set. I think I'm ready for bed. 
Let us know in the chat if you think that we should go to the gym oh today. Boy. Yeah, no, please say no. Please, say, please no. say yes. We're trying to be like, we have to work on our fitness goals. In strides this month, we're doing a fitness challenge. And yeah, like all of my students are like, oh, I haven't missed a day. And I'm like ashamed. I've missed a few days. Look, someone says gym. We have to go gym. to the gym. We have a nice little gym that's walking distance. So I think even though it's dark, it's we're dark. going to do it. Go for it. Fitness month. Ellie Frey says fitness oh, month. God. We have to go. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. thank you guys. This was super fun. Stay tuned for more videos with our new YouTube star. I think he needs his own YouTube channel. <laughs> oh, I think I'm going to disappear and go sailing for six months. <laughs> Levi wants to sleep. He doesn't want to go. Yes, I'm with Levi. Whoever I feel Oh, you guys too. Also, we always make these into podcasts. So check out Dressage with Amelia. You can put it on like your phone. And um, we always make these into podcasts. So if you miss them and you would like to listen to them on the go when you're driving, or if you want to listen to some of our older Thursday night chats, um, check that out on Dressage with Amelia. Okay. And yeah, you can listen to us on the go. We're very entertaining. Good night, everyone. Bye. <laughs> So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions and I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.